Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. Well, welcome, everybody. Praise God you're all here. Hallelujah. Practicing social separation. It's not what we like to do, but we will do it. Praise the Lord. Uh, Tonight, um, just the one handout. If you've been here the other night, it's just uh, week three. This is week one, week two, week three. Uh, We are going to, if we get a chance, we're going to go right into the uh, manual about first part. So praise God. Please sign in also. Give us uh, the ability to make sure who's coming. Those that are online will have to sign you in online so you can... Let us know, and we'll take care of that anyway. Well, while they're signing in, if um, it's hot in here, okay, I just I did just crank it down, so it'll be all right. Um, one of the homework assignments was to read the book of Philippians. So did anyone have any favorite parts or ahas from the book of Philippians that you would like to share with us tonight? Okay, everybody loves the book of Philippians? Okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I like that one. Praise God. That's uh, actually, uh, isn't that in Hebrews? Let's take a look here. Let's take a look. I don't, my New Living Translation does it a little different. 4.13? Uh, fix your thoughts on what is right, pure. Yeah, fix your thoughts. Um, Philippians 4.13 is, I've learned the secret of doing in all situations, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Amen. Good. Love it. Well, let me, um, let me kind of solidify a couple of things from that chapter, which I think, uh, again, the way we proceed with... Um, Breaking free is one we said from day one, you need to know your identity in Christ, right? It has to be, you have to be on the foundation of Christ to know who you are in order to be able to stand against any form of darkness. And so, we, um, when we look at Philippians, the book of Philippians, first we looked at Ephesians, and that certainly cemented a lot of truth on who we are, where we're seated in Christ. In uh, chapter one of the Philippians, um, Paul and Timothy actually co-labor and write this letter to the church at Philippi. And he said, I love this verse, and and if you want to open up your word, Philippians 1.6 says that he who began the good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's begun this work in us, and he's performing it. And so we can see that there's a special favor that is shared with God in verse 3 and then verse 7. Um, what really matters, he says in verse 10 is, this is in chapter 1, what really matters is to live a pure and blameless life in Christ. So, but let's uh, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Philippians 1.27. This one, I'm going to probably preach on Sunday a little bit. I think I'm, that's what's moving in my heart. But in Philippians 1, in verse 27, let me read that to you. It says this, above all, 
That's pretty important, right? You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news. So above everything else, live as a citizen of heaven. But I want you to see in verse 28, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. So if you're intimidated at all by darkness, don't be. If you're intimidated at all by coronavirus or whatever, don't be. Don't be. I mean, it goes on, it says, I've learned to live in peace. I've learned to be content whether I got a lot or a little. Just don't, don't stress. Just live in peace. And so don't be intimidated. In verse 28, it says, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that going to be destroyed and that you're going to be saved even by God himself. So if you come face to face with any demonic realms, darknesses, intimidations, don't be intimidated. The, the great picture there is probably the one that we're all familiar with is David, the little boy, going against big guy Goliath, right? He wasn't intimidated. In fact, he was shocked that the armies of the living God were not able to handle this uncircumcised Philistine. He was like, what? He's delivering the lunch, right, to his brothers who are the warriors, and they've been sitting there, and they're all intimidated by this big guy. And David's like, I, this doesn't even compute for me, right? That's kind of the message that we need to get from what I think Paul is telling us here in, in the church at Philippi. Chapter 2, he says, I love this verse. He says, in verse 1, he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Jesus? Are you encouraged at all that you belong to him? Yes. That, that's, you know, he's kind of, he asked this question, <clears throat> is there any encouragement? Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship in the Spirit? And obviously, the answer to all that, he knows the answer. Of course there is. What he's saying is, if you belong to Christ, then you ought to be in this place of encouragement. You ought to be at peace. You ought to be comforted. You ought to continue to hold on in the Spirit, right? All right. Here's another one in chapter 2 in verse 25 and 30. Let's turn there for a minute. I want you to see a principle here. Paul says, now Paul was this great apostle, right? <laughs> he, did, he did some amazing things. He wrote, you know, most of the New Testament. But look at verse 25. It says that, meanwhile, I thought I should send Aphrodite back to you. He's a true brother and a co-worker and a fellow soldier. He's a messenger to help me. But what happened? Verse 27, he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have any more sorrow. I want you to see that here's a co-worker with Paul, and he gets sick to the point of almost dying. Can you think of another scripture, one that came to mind that was in intriguing to me, was also in 2 Timothy 4.20, where Paul says, I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. That's an interesting name. So he's got another co-worker with him who is so sick he can't even continue in the mission field. So what does that tell us? It says, look, we fight a real enemy. Sickness is real. That's why we, we stand against sickness and disease. We've come to destroy the works of the devil. But there are times in the midst of ministry, some people will get sick. Praise God. In these cases, they persevered and they were able to see it. So don't be intimidated by what you see, because we're not walking by sight, right? 
we walk in by faith. All right, chapter 3, um, he deals with this in verse, two, verse 3. It says, you're not saved by any works of the flesh. He says, you know, these people are telling you you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. He deals with that in the whole book of Galatians, right? Who's bewitched you, Galatians? That you have to go back into under the law. He, so he just reiterates that in the church at Philippi. So he says in verse 9 of chapter 3, we're no longer counting righteousness by our works. And then you're probably all familiar with verse 12, press on towards the mark, forget the past. And then I love verse 20, we're citizens of heaven, changed by this reality. And then he lists a number of things that tells you how to find peace in God. Stay true to the Lord, settle your differences. You got any issues with anybody in the church? Settle your differences. In fact, he's got two women in chapter 4. He's really, you can tell, he's, he's brokenhearted by it. Um, Eudodia and Cynthia, please, guys, work it out. <laughs> you worked hard. Now you're, you're mad at each other. I need you to work this out. So he's, he's basically telling them, settle your stuff, will you please? And then always be full of joy. Don't worry about anything. Fix your thoughts. And then I've learned to be content. So... I'm going to preach some of this, I think, on Sunday. But that's, uh, any other thoughts out of Philippians? All right, next week, the reading assignment, just so you're going to get on top of all that. Again, I'm paralleling here, identity in Christ. This is only four chapters of book of Colossians. So read the book of Colossians and uh, see how that looks at uh, application to going to war. All right. What I'd like to did, did anyone pick up my DVD on the exorcism of Emily Rose? You barred it. Okay. I just need to know where it is. Okay. You left it at my door tonight. No, I left it at your door. The other day. Okay, it's not there. Um, I will. Okay, I'll look for it. Thank you. All right, um, let's turn to your ministry manual. I hope you've all been reading through the ministry manual. You should be through module five. Uh, so this is, re this is supposed to be review, right? Because you gotta, you gotta there's too much material uh, for me to try to do it every night on Wednesday night. So in the, in the module one, let's turn to page one one in the ministry manual now. Ministry manual for training, module one, page one. And I'm going to fly through these because this should be obviously some review, but also if you've read it, I would, what I would suggest to you, do what I do. Mark it up. Highlight what's there. The scriptures that are referenced to that you can either memorize or use when you're doing ministry. Um, first of all, well, my purpose is to equip you to do the work of ministry. That's that first thing, equip the people in, in Ephesians 4.12. There's some boundaries. On the bottom paragraph of that page, there's some boundaries about doing ministry. First of all, we don't become accusatory, right? If someone comes in, don't make accusations. Don't be negative to them. They've come. You're a minister of love, right? And so, um, don't give directional things. 
unless the, you get a really approval. If you say, well, you're going to get married in the next two months. You're going to have a, a, a son in 12. Don't give directional things like that unless you clear it with a pastor. Those are, um, and certainly don't give a rebuke. If you're a minister, we don't want to, um, in ministry, we don't want to get to the place where they be, we become a stumbling block to people that are new, that are coming in, right? And so, and leave the outcome on, on one, two. If you look at the top of that page, the most important ministry is to provide the love of the Lord. If a person comes to church, sometimes, you know, remember the first time you walked into a church or walked into a new church? It's like, I don't know what's really going on in this place or if I'm supposed to be. And it's like, and so those first impressions are pretty important. And so we want to minister love. And if they get, you know, we do plenty of altar calls. And if they have the, um, the wherewithal or the desire to come up and receive prayer, we want them, no matter what happens, we don't have to push to see a healing. We don't have to push to see salvation. Let the Holy Spirit lead. If they walk out of here and felt the love of God, then praise God, let Him do the work, right? Um, some of them have said, don't, don't try to work on the notch on your gun. I got another one saved. Or I got No, that's not the important part of this. It's the love relationship that we're asking the Lord to do. Uh, page 2-1. You may have had training in other areas, and there's different ministries. When we go overseas or when I do a conference in the U.S., I'm submitted to the ministry that's there. We won't force our will of doing the ministry we're accustomed to if they're not comfortable with that. So we submit to whatever the house is that we're involved in. And for example, we go to Nepal, the, the, the men sit on one side of the church and the women sit on the other. We don't go in there and say, well, you need to all get liberated and let's do this differently. No, we submit to that because in culture, in India, we don't place our hands on the head. So being sensitive to, um, to the ministry that you're in, Paul says in Corinthians, don't be a stumbling block. If people are hung up on particular eating of foods, then I won't eat that food, right? And so um, basically be sensitive to the ministry of the people that you're ministering to and be familiar with their culture. On page 2-2, I could summarize that about don't be cranky. There's no cranky ministers of the gospel, right? You're supposed to be full of joy at all times. Even when it's not so joyful, you can still be full of joy, right? Cheerfully submit. That's in B there. It says, lay aside your personal ministry patterns um, lifestyle is a biggie. Look at one uh, E there. It says, if you're in the ministry, let, let's, for example, let me give you an, a story from way back. We had um, a, a ministry team member who was part of our worship team, and uh, that person was having difficulty with pain medication and said, you know what, I think it's time for me to step down because I'm struggling with some form of addiction here. This was years ago. And we appreciate the fact that, you know what, if your lifestyle or you've got some issues going on, we know now from breaking free, if you give the devil something to work with, he will, especially if you're in ministry. So lifestyle matters and being in your personal struggles, there, there's none of us that are, have arrived yet, so we're not looking for perfection, but we are looking for submitted hearts and cheerful givers.
That's what the bottom page there says, the servant's heart, humility, faithfulness, willingness. Turn to page 2-3, top of the page, teachable. Can you receive instruction? Can any of us receive instruction? You know, I shared openly with you a few weeks ago that um, somebody came to me and said, you hurt me when you were sarcastic. And I, and I took that to heart, and I wrestled with the Lord on it, and you know what? I'm, I'm trying better. In fact, I got the staff now reminding me, is that sarcasm? And, it, and I said, no. Well, at least I don't want it to be. And so, be teachable. None of us have arrived yet. And it's usually a sign of pride and insecurity if you cannot receive instruction. It's a lack of humility, right? And so... You want, in fact, the it, Proverbs is full with instruction about taking instruction from others. Um, probably the, one of the biggest one is there where it says on page 2-3, personal intimacy with God and the lifestyle. This daily walk, regular time of study. I love Bishop's message on Sunday. The Word has to become flesh, right? It has to dwell in us. It can't be just this um, logos. It's got to be rhema word, right? It's got to be down in your heart. And so, so just uh, look at the personal intimacy parts of this. How do I, how do I honor? What is it that I'm doing? Um, staying neutral. K down there, denominational neutrality. Don't be critical of another denomination. Do your best not to be critical. I can remember 25 years ago, I was in a denomination that now I'm doing things totally don't agree with, they didn't agree with that theologically. And so, uh, We've all, we're all on a journey of revelation, right? So being critical of someone that's not is, again, it's not profitable. I look at it this way. If it's all the body of Christ, if that's an arm and we're a leg, um, if you tell the Lord himself that his bride is ugly, that's not good, right? So just take that to heart. Um, we're all on a journey. None of us have arrived. Again, that's a form of arrogance that I'm somehow higher, and I've got all this revelation. Um, Paul said he was the least of all the apostles. So that's kind of interesting. Okay, 2-4, character and maturity. You can have tremendous anointing and a really crummy character, and eventually you will crash and burn. I have seen that. I've seen it up close and personal. So character is as important as the anointing. Some people will get the gifts because the gifts are not held back once God releases gifts. But you can be operating in arrogant sin and a character lifestyle that is a mess, and eventually that will crash and burn. So uh, in the development of both the desire for greater anointing in our giftings and the impartation that comes with that, character development, can you be trusted and honest and humble and forth? Those are, those are traits that, one, will be an insulation of righteousness when you go to war. Righteousness is a weapon, both offense and defense. And so, uh, character, can you be trusted? Is your word true? Do you lie? Do you steal? Do you cheat? Do you curse? Do you, what do you do? Those kind of character traits um, will have an impact of what the enemy can use against us. So, um, anyway, let's take a look at um, page 2-5. This is part of the practicality of ministry team. If you're doing ministry... Um, we oftentimes will ask for catchers, but if you're praying for someone, be on God. First, pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes open because um, if you don't, you can get, you can get whacked, and uh, 
you want to also look for what's going on, looking for impartation, the move of the Holy Spirit on a person, their eyes start fluttering, and they're, they're crying, then the Lord's telling you, there's an impact going on right here. Stay on this, this vein, right? But you might be looking also for any other manifestations, like you read in the book, when we were in England, this woman manifested, and if you're closing your eyes and, you know, you don't see what's happening demonically, then, you, again, you're missing the information. So it's not normal for us in, the, in denominational churches in the past to pray with our eyes open, right? But I'm encouraging you to do that. And then make sure if you don't have a catcher, look for someone who can catch or be aware that you may have to be the catcher. But uh, when, if you're smaller and you've got a person who's, you know, 300 pounds, get help right? Um, we don't want to see anybody. I learned a really hard lesson in Argentina one night. We didn't have catchers in the Holy Spirit. I was preaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fell, and almost a, a large number of people hit the ground all at once, and my team was not ready. We had one situation where this woman, she couldn't have been more than 110 pounds, and she fell out in the Spirit, and Man, we were just impartated. The Holy Spirit fell, like, amazingly, right? And so, but then this man, he had to be over 300 pounds, fell on her. Now, I'm totally oblivious to, oblivious to this good thing, praise God. I was praying for people. This happened over in a corner. Miss, Ann, um, One of our team members, when the man fell on her, he broke her nose and brought, I'm not exaggerating, I didn't see it, but the, my team did. Eyewitnesses, Miss Annie, her nose was broken to the point there was a pool of blood around her. They called the doctor and an ambulance to come to the church. Again, I'm oblivious to this. It's happening. And so they come and get Miss Addie. Miss Addie, Miss Addie, come here. And she goes, you know, Miss Addie, oh, Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. She starts praying, and she grabs the woman and just touches the nose and the Lord shifted her nose back in place. All the bruising, this is what the report was from several eyewitnesses, all the blood bruising that was now underneath her eyes disappeared. And so one of the pastors who wasn't happy that I was sharing on the baptism, even though I had gotten approval from both the pastor and from his vice president, um, he was there. He says, we're going to get sued. This is crazy. This is he, he was not a happy camper. And so... When the ambulance arrived with the doctor, he got there and says, why have you called me? Just put some ice on it. This is crazy. This is a waste of resource. And so the good the rest of that story is both of those people went into the ministry school, the man who fell on her and the little lady who got hurt. And so, because it was a miracle. It was, it was, anyway, but I learned a lesson that, listen, be careful. When the Holy Spirit starts moving, you may have to move with him quickly. Okay? So uh, get help. And if you get someone, sometimes it takes two people. Another request, um, Angie, would you come here a second? Let me, let me demonstrate something to you. Um, no, it's okay. She'll be all right. If she's receiving prayer and she's just praying, whoever's praying behind or can't, just let, let the person know that you're here. Don't be doing all this kind of stuff, right? Just let the person know, like in the small of the back, I'm right behind you so you can relax and then uh, when she falls, make sure she falls, grab her elbows. Remember, you've got to watch. Good touch and bad touch, right? So, thank you, Angie. Um, but the best thing is you want people that are receiving ministry to be at 
to be comfort, comfortable with the fact that, okay, someone has my back so I can receive ministry. I don't have to worry about falling behind somebody. And if you've ever been here when we're having um, massive prayer times, there could be people falling in all different areas. So be aware as a catcher and a ministry team member, who's who and where's, where's everybody at, right? Moving them apart. We sometimes, so just be aware. Uh, manage the, the process and let the Lord move in this process. You see that under um, uh, two five there, which is catchers are really important in preparing to catch someone. Keep your el- your, el- your elbows locked. And keep ready when you're catching. Just as a, a matter, put one foot. If you're a catcher, put one foot. Just you know, don't you don't want to get hurt in the process either, right? Okay, we can demonstrate that in one of our training sessions later. Um, if someone falls and they're there's some exposure going on, right? Um, I remember recently we had an altar call and someone was here and they had those low-cut jeans and it, anyway, we needed to cover it up, okay? So we did. Um, but if there's an, a person falls and they're, they're, they'll, we can use some of the uh, flags, whatever, just be conscious of making them feel comfortable and not embarrassed as well. All of this is part of the setting the atmosphere so people feel comfortable to come and receive. Sometimes it's very difficult if you're not used to this environment to even just get up front and be vulnerable to pray. And so we want to make that as, as uh, friendly as possible. Okay, um, two six. Gender policy, when, um, if you can, um, look at, uh, t- there it says good touch, be mindful of the culture, I mentioned that already, but... Um, just be careful where you're placing your hands on someone. Shoulders okay, head is okay if it's culturally. But, you know, guys, be careful of touching women on the front. And when you're catching, be, just be mindful of, uh, of where, again, we don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. Uh, and try to have women minister to women, men minister to men. And if you're in an open environment, that's probably okay. But just um, that certainly will be the case when we do prayer ministry. There'll always be a gender-specific person present. If they were ministering to a woman, there'll be at least two women or one woman present, and vice versa for men. So, okay. Laying on of hands, um, I think we've covered pretty much that. Um, let's see here. Look at 2.7. Hygiene, breath mints. If you've had garlic the night before, do your best, okay? It's just, again, we're trying to... Um, if someone, if you have an injury, make sure you don't become injured or, or if the person says they have an injury, be sensitive to that. Um, okay. I think I reiterate this. The bottom of 2.7, it says, we're not looking for um, basically the outcome. We're looking for the relationship. If the Lord heals a person, the Lord delivers the person, the Lord person gets saved. They're, as long as they feel love, we're not here for any other purpose than that, okay? And I think we've covered 2.8 is, again, the expectation of character and lifestyle. Uh, bottom of 2.8, be friendly, be flexible, pray earnestly, and have good breath. Amen? Um, 3.1, this is the main thing. If you can consider yourself a channel of the love of God, then that's what we're really after. We want people... 
I've had people tell me after I've done prayer ministry that they felt anxious coming into the meeting. You're going to go in there and you're going to tell your life story about the things that have really brought you hurt or damaged or bad things you've uh, actually done. And there's this anxiety or at least a level of anxiety about being exposed. Um, And once we set them at ease, at the end of that, I've had people tell me, I felt so loved in this process. That's the, that accomplishes everything. You'll be known by your love. So just leave the results to the Lord. Just leave all that there and just focus on being a channel of the purpose. He says you'll be known by your love. And then purity, I can't reiterate that enough again, is one, we need to continually be refilled, spending time with the Lord, middle of 3-1 there, but on the bottom of 3-1, this is that whole purity. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. On 3-2, this whole heart will sell out to worship. Just that, that desire to seek the Lord. There's a lot of good scriptures here on that page. Uh, being able to receive prayer. Don't, don't hesitate to receive prayer for yourselves as well. 3-3, I think we've talked about this in, in week one. You're in spiritual warfare, you are the freedom fighter. Remember this? What I, I boil life down to being, this is a story of love and war. That's what it is. The love of God being transmitted. We're supposed to love Him with all our heart and mind, love our neighbors as ourselves, but we're also to do the works that Jesus did. He said in 1 John 3, 8, I've come to destroy, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now go and do likewise. In John 14, he says, verse 12, he says, now greater work shall you do. So this is warfare. Um, but there's a process or a technique or a methodology to it, which is really what this is all about in the class. Um, on page 3-4, it says, use discretion and take your time. Don't be in a rush. This is a, like you can feel this pressure, especially if you're in a conference setting or a place where there, you might have, I remember in, um, in Tanzania, we had probably 70 people in front of each one of our team members waiting for prayer. And it's like, man, oh my goodness. But don't rush the prayer. Let just minister. If the person is receiving ministry and you see it, continue to pray. Just, again, leave the results. I remember uh, Pastor Terry, I forget where we were. It might have been Brazil. I think it was. I think it was probably Belém, Brazil. Um, I remember a number of people in front of Terry and certainly Phil. We got to the end of the night and there were all these people still needed prayer. And I remember Phil going to, Healed, 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 healed. And the Lord just, he didn't run out of time. He just shortened our list. And Terry's had people in front of him, they all got healed. Wasn't that, was that in um, Nepal? We were in the, remember, taking a bus up a riverbed to this church. And Terry had all these people lined up in front of him. They all got healed. So, again, um, minister, stop for the one. Heidi always says, stop for the one. I like that, Heidi Baker's ministry. Focus on the one that's before you. And uh, use discretion. Allow time for God to do the work. Um, keep privacy. If someone tells you stuff that is really a, a, a deep, revealed seek, then be private about it, right? Don't, don't divulge stuff. That's part of the ministry etiquette that we, we, we want people to feel good about. Three, four, if a person is weeping, 
um, go with it. Don't sit there, Lord, give them laughter. <laughs> no, let the, be sensitive to what this person, obviously, if they're receiving ministry and you're praying or the Holy Spirit's out, go with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Don't change the mood. Oh, I want them to be happy. I don't want them to be sad. It may be good sad, right? <laughs> um, so just be sensitive to that. Okay. Um, three, five. Be sensitive to the environment. Don't draw attention to yourself. This is not about anyone being in the limelight. If you're praying for someone, don't be loud. Especially, it is often distracting. Um, we'll do an altar call and there'll be a lot of people praying. So just, again, we don't want to stifle that, but be sensitive to, you, you don't have to pray loud. The devil can hear you softly and so can the heart of a person. So, okay. Um, on 3.6, I like this. This is both for prophecy as well as uh, prayer. If you get a picture, an impression, uh, we'll cover this in the prophecy side of things. You see something, but you're not sure. You don't have to come out, God's telling me right now. I, I don't recommend that at all. Uh, you know, I have this impression that maybe, sort of, uh, could this be what's going Yeah. Oh, good. I am hearing what. So, um, one, it's, it, it just helps for the flow because the person may correct you somewhat. When you come, thus the, God is telling me right now, you're, this is what's going on with you. And that may not be going on with them at all. And so, by being somewhat soft in the approach, they'll help fill in the pieces. And you say, oh, good. Let me come into agreement with you on that. So, again, it's just a humble approach to ministry, right? Testing your impressions there. Okay. When do you stop praying? Well, if you've prayed and nothing's happening, um, learning how to back out is as important as going forward. So, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on to, on 3.9, don't, the top of that page on 3.9 is don't force ministry. If the Spirit is not doing something, you may need to remember to just relax and realize there'll be other opportunities. You know that scripture where Paul says, one, one waters, one plants, one harvest. So just what you may not be the harvester in this case. Just let the Lord minister and minister love. Um, okay. I want to get to the prayer guidelines. On 311, the bottom of that page, Love, love, love. You are the channel. I guess I've hit that enough, right? On 4.1, if you've read the book, this is important biblically that that word sozo is the Greek word, and it's used 110 times, if I've counted them right, in the New Testament. And it means both saved, healed, and delivered. And I've given you enough cases here. I, I wanted to, because oftentimes people say, well, salvation's okay, but this healing and deliverance, no. Um, well, I want to give you scripture. If you look at page 4.1, there's some, just a handful of the scriptures on, heal, on salvation. Then you'll see healing. Let's look at that one. It says, the bottom of page 4.1, and everywhere he went into villages, towns, and countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged him to let him touch even the, head, the edge of his cloak. And they touched him, and they were sozoed. That's healed. And so, 
you turn the page, there's the deliverance ones where that same verb is used. So I want you to see interchangeably, uh, healing, salvation, and deliverance is part of the, f- the full gospel of Christ. Um, so, the bottom of page 4-2, when you minister salvation, healing, and deliverance to a needy person, you've actually rescued them from the power of Satan and from the darkness. Okay, this one I'd like you to place, take some time, and you get your, your feel for how to go about leading someone to Christ. Um, I'm sure that you all had an opportunity. If you haven't, I pray you will. But on page 5-2 and 5-3, 5, 4, and 5, 5 is really the, the, the four-step model for salvation. But let's just think about it for a minute. If you come and you come across someone and it looks like you, the Holy Spirit tells you, Doug's, um, Doug Henry last week gave a testimony about driving to intercessory prayer. The Lord told him, turn around and go see this person, right? And so what would you do? The first, basically think of an interview. It's, hello, how are you? I'm Tom. Um, I just felt like I was supposed to stop and, and talk to you. Um, is it all right if I, if I talk to you tonight about salvation? Do you, do you know Jesus? So however you get comfortable with breaking the ice, again, be sensitive to the environment, to the person, that uh, if they come in front of you, you're standing here in the front, and they come up, and there's tears in their eyes, the message has just hit them, or the worship has just hit them, and they're there and say, how, how can I pray for you? And they, they start, do you, have you ever made a commitment to Christ? Again, be sensitive to what's happening. So the first step is the interview. It's like, how are you? How are you doing? How can I help you? Part next, the next step is, um, if you look at, page 5-5, five, five. this is that interview, the preparation. It's real and it's relational. Don't be forceful. So find a, find a way that just helps to open the door for the situation that you're in. Once you've connected with the person um, and they realize that you're not here to be offensive, you're really here to help, how can I help you in this process of receiving Christ? Then you want to walk them through, and I would suggest a couple of scriptures that you might commit to memory. Um, again, this is, doesn't have to be fire and brimstone. Do you know that if you don't receive Christ, you're going to hell? You know, it's, um, it may be a little softer. You know, if you were to die tonight, do you really know where you're going? No, I don't know. Do you, are you assured where you're going? No, I, I don't know. Would you like to be? And then, so, I would grab a couple of scriptures that um, can help in that process of the preparation. Once they say, yes, I'd, I'd like to pray, they may not know how to pray, and you may need to help them in the process, and you can walk them through it. But then you get to step two, which is on five, six, the confession and repentance. Because it says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, right, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so that confession and repentance is probably a really important part. In fact, it says, one of the scriptures I love to share is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Wouldn't you like to have all that unrighteous stuff just to be gone as far as the east is from the west? 
We've all failed. We've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory. Once that's then, then again, have them be specific. Um, have them confess audibly. Doesn't have to be loud, but loud enough for their ear to hear what their mouth is saying and for you to agree with them. And the, and the more specific, the better. Yes, in James 5, it says, confess your faults one to another that you might be sozoed, healed. So that confession together, there's something powerful. You can confess to Christ and his sins will be forgiven. Confessing one to another, there's a healing that takes place. And so after the confession part, and these are some scriptures, then um, don't be shocked. If someone starts sharing some stuff like, whoa, don't go, oh, wow, oh my goodness. It's like, again, a loving counselor, right? Said, man, you really did mess up. <laughs> no, not a good, not a good response, right? Um, commitment to the surrender. This is number three, page five, eight. After the person has made a complete confession and repentance to the Holy Spirit, um, you want to have them release themselves to the Lord's hand. It's not just about salvation, it's about lordship. And you'd like to have them pray, Lord, I give you my life. I want to surrender. Because you know that once they've surrendered, the battle really may start, right? And so at this point, they need to be armed with one, a total release. I'd like you to help me now, Lord, in my life. But we always, you see that part, 4A there, this part, it says, have the Holy Spirit fill them. Luke's, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, it says, if an evil father can give good gifts to his children, how much more would the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I have them ask the Father for that gift. That's consistent with Acts chapter 1. Remember he said, Jesus said in Acts 1, 4, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift that I've told you about before. And when he says in Acts 1, 8, he says, and when he comes, you'll receive power. Why? Power, because you need the power to be able to walk this out. And so oftentimes we, we may f fail to do this step, but this is as important, I think, to me. After they prayed the, the prayer of salvation, Lord, fill me. This house needs to be filled. Remember in Matthew 12 where it says, you can't enter the strong man's house and pillage it unless someone stronger has come. And you have to wipe it clean, swept, and the house has been swept clean, and it's empty, then he's going to come back with seven worse characters with him. So you want that house filled. How does it you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And so that's a very, I'd like you to star that step there. Once we've made the declaration and thanks God. So the interview, the repentance, the commitment to surrender, thanksgiving and declaration, and then celebrate. Just, wow, this is so important. You could tell them a scripture about the angels having party time right now in heaven. And so, so that's the, the salvation model that I would like you to practice this. Just do it by yourself. Many of you have done this and you're pretty regular at it, but get, get in a place where by yourself at home, it's like, okay, let me, let me think about how I would lead someone to Christ in some different scenarios. If you've done street ministry or you've been, then you may be familiar with it and you're, you're comfortable with it. But we want to get comfortable in what is that and look at some of the scriptures that are part of that. It's going to be real important. It's the greatest of all the um, ministries is eternal life, right? Okay. Um, so what I'd like you to do next week is let's pick up and get through module, 
The healing module is uh, through seven. Let's do that. Let's get through six and seven for next week. Okay, we'll do the healing module next week. So, um, any questions on what we've covered tonight? I know I've given you a lot, but this is supposed to have been review if you're reading. And so, question, Chris? Here, let me give you a mic because we want the live streamers to be able to hear it. I wanted to comment on um, uh, three where it says prayer and worship. Uh, It says there, you may not always feel the anointing, but it is with you and will increase if you ask. I think that that is such a precious. Yeah, um, the the teaching that that we often share is there's times when you feel the anointing, right? It's like the, the Holy Spirit, especially in a setting where there's a lot of believers in worship, you can, it, it's just natural. You know, the, some of the things, if you read the book, will be in a place where the Holy Spirit's moving and it's like people get sovereignly healed, right? But you may be on the street and you have zero anointing, uh, zero sense or feeling. Now you're operating in authority, because it's not about, remember, if the enemy tries to intimidate you in, in a deliverance ministry, it's not how you feel. It's who's behind you and who's you are. And so now you're operating in authority. Um, so it's kind of like the police officer who stands on I-40 and stops traffic of a tractor trailer. That tractor trailer could keep running and that's it, right? But he's got North Carolina behind him and his badge that he's wearing, he's got the authority, said, you better stop or else. So he's operating there in authority. It's not by his power and his might, right? And so, um, so good, good point. Any other questions or comments? Hello, I'm Daniel. Um, I'll admit that as a minister, I've not always acted in the best of character. And I can remember on one particular missionary trip, uh, the Lord actually told me, he said, I'm going to do miracles now, Daniel. And well, I got so excited that uh, I was raising my voice against the enemy. And uh, this was at one of the schools one of the uh, colleges that I was ministering to uh, the leadership there at the college. And uh, one of my team members said, Daniel, you were scaring some of them. You raised your voice and you were scaring them. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And I asked the Lord about that. And he showed me this from the book of Matthew chapter 12 about how Jesus did it. In verse 18, he says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory." And in his name, the Gentiles will trust. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to focus on that word. He will not quarrel nor cry out. What do you think that means? And I said, Lord, are you telling me Jesus didn't go around screaming? 
He goes, not in the streets, Daniel. When he ministered to people, his voice was lowered on purpose so that they could be receive his love and ministry. And I thought, I thought all this time, you know, you got to fight the devil. And he goes, yeah, but you're not fighting people. And if you're scaring them to death, what good does that do them? Yeah. Again, being sensitive, that's good. I like it. All right. Um, I want to share, we've got just enough time to go ahead. If we get that queued up. We're going to watch a video from John Ramirez. Questions? Yeah, Joshua. You got one? Okay. You got another one. Okay, good. Um, I'm Joshua. Uh, so I wanted to talk about um, leading people to Christ. Um, I had the privilege to lead one of my good friends to the Lord. A little louder, Joshua. <clears throat> I had the privilege to lead one of my good friends to the Lord about two or three weeks ago. Amen. And uh, it was pretty awesome. And I've, I've led, you know, probably about 50 or 60 people to Christ um, since I've been a Christian. And um, every time that I've, you know, uh, led somebody to the Lord, it was the Holy Spirit was always backing me up. And uh, um, he gives you this confidence, you know, because you really have to believe that Christ is your Savior to, to be able to lead somebody to Christ. You really have to believe that God is working inside of you, you know, and, and you, you, you have to resonate, you know, this peace that God gives you, man. Um, and so it was real easy because uh, about a year ago, he lost his son, his baby son. So he's been real mad at God. You know, thinking that, you know, Jesus and God just took away his son. He's like, why did he take my son? Why did he have to take my son? And, you know, the Holy Spirit was just laying the scriptures down on me that it wasn't God who took your son. It was the, it's the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, and just laying all these things out there. And um, he's addicted to drugs, and his life's just a mess. And I was just like, man... You know, the only way that you're really going to get through this, the only way you're ever going to have peace in your life, the only way that your life is ever going to change around is if you accept Jesus into your life, man. I said, I think it's time, you know, that you come come to God and let him be your father and, and let him bring this change in your life that you've been seeking. And um, I was like, so you ready to accept God? He's like, man, I just don't know. And uh, I was like, dude. What is there to say no to, man? The blessings and, and God working in your life and completely changing things around. It's like, how long do you want to labor in vain? How long do you want to go through this? And he's just like, man, I, I guess you're right. I, I guess you're ready. I was like, so let's do it, man. And uh, so anyways, I led him in the prayer of salvation. And uh, it was really good. It was awesome. That's the divine sensitivity. It was the divine moment. It's kind of like when uh, Peter and John are at Gate Beautiful, and he looks at the man, and he's trying to get alms to get healed. And he says, basically, Peter recognized the opportunity. And so, awesome. Well, listen, let me, um, I want to caveat for those that are going to watch this online and here. This is an ex-Satanist. His name is John Ramirez. He uh, came to Christ under Nicky Cruz, and um, he wrote a book, Armed and Dangerous, The Ultimate Battle Plan. So I want you, he grew up in the Bronx. I went to school for four years in college in the Bronx, tough place. He grew up in the Bronx, tough life, 
came out of Satanism, his family, and he's going to give us some instructive things that I'd like you to jot some notes, if you can, uh, either maybe just even in your ministry manual, some things that, wow, that's something, I want to talk about them next week, all right, we'll get into the details of them next week, like, what about that, or could that really happen, or what do you think, so... No fear right now, but I want you to realize the enemy is alive, and he's a liar, and he's working to destroy churches, and he's working to destroy families. So let's listen to, uh, and you can get this book online. It's, it's, it's very interesting, Armed and Dangerous, but I think you'll get the most of it right out of this. So let's go ahead and roll it. The Virgin Mary and the Trojan God, the idols. And this is supposed to be Michael, the guardian angel. What is it? It's not even Michael. You know that. Right? I know. Santeria. All the witchcraft. And this is the stuff that I have, the cadero. This is this is this is this is this is the cadero. And this is this is this is this is remember the you know you know remember the, the, the tabernacle? Right? When, when people met Jesus, they have to meet Jesus. This is the tabernacle of the devil. This is the tabernacle of the devil. I grew up in the neighborhood that, first of all, the first killing that I experienced feet away from me when I went to go get a gallon of milk was only uh, 10 feet away from me. They shot the guy like seven times. They shot him seven times as a young boy. I seen killings after killings after killings. Uh, in order to survive in the streets of the South Bronx, you had to be a killer. You have to be a murderer. You had to be smart. You had to be slick. My father's side was all witches and warlocks. We, were, we lived on witchcraft. We, lived on, we had a contract direct with the devil himself. My father, I remember when I used to, when I was, when I was younger, like eight, nine years old, I would see him going to the room to, to worship the devil and I could feel the presence of the devil come into that room. And my father would worship and speak in tongues, in demonic tongues and, and worship and put flowers and put candles and put water. I, I, at seven o'clock at night to five in the morning, I was ready going. To demonic, to demonic church. I was going to witchcraft church. I was, it was, I was being trained to be. I was being trained to be a, 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 a warlock. I was being trained with witches that were in the in the religion for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. They were training. They were training me to learn how to speak to principality, spirits in the ground, the devil himself. You couldn't speak to the devil right away. You had to earn your right to speak to the devil. And the first mass killing. The first mass killing that they did in my neighborhood was in this house right here. The husband stabbed the lady 52 times and cut her ears off here. And then me and my brothers were hanging out with their daughter and we came to the house to, to, to walk them back home to, because we were hanging out with the daughters right here. And, uh, and, and the daughters found their mother cut up to pieces here in this house. I was in a schoolyard playing uh, with some friends in the schoolyard and, uh, and the pastor came and uh, they had this band came in and uh, they started singing songs and people started to gather in the schoolyard and it was an amazing uh, atmosphere, you know, amazing joy in that schoolyard and I, and, and I came from a broken home. This pastor is up, up on stage and, and he's, saying, he, he's talking about some Bible story and, and some Bible book and, and he's talking about how God loves everybody and all this other stuff and I'm, for the first time I'm getting 
kind of captivated. Wow, you know, maybe God does love me. Maybe maybe God wants me. Maybe God wants my family. Maybe God wants to touch me and my family. Maybe he, he wants to change my family around. And I said, well, I can get some of that. I'm going to get some of that because he's coming my way. And, and this is and, and the first time ever I felt an, an incredible love that was, it was indescribable. There's pastors coming off the stage and praying for people and touching people. So I said, now it's my turn. Now he's going to touch me. Now, now Jesus is going to accept me. Jesus is going to show me what love is about. And this pastor passed me by. Never touched me. Never, 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 never lay his hands on me. He went down the line, and when he came up to me, he passed me by and touched the other person. And I said, well, Jesus don't love me either. My dad don't love me. Jesus don't love me. We come from a broken home. Uh, Jesus, he likes the fact my mother gets beat up. He likes the fact that me and my brother go to bed hungry. He likes the fact that, you know, uh, <clears throat> there's no heat in my apartment. He likes the fact that when we go to school, we reject misfits in school. So this Jesus guy, he's just like my father. He's no difference. He's just like my dad. So I went home broken. I went home sad. I remember that a week later, a couple of weeks later, a week later, two weeks later, I was at a schoolyard, hanging out, playing with a friend of mine's, and uh, I heard I heard something <laughs> fell and hit the ground, and it was a voodoo necklace. So I took the voodoo necklace. It had many colors. I took it. I put it on, and the necklace was my first contract with the devil. We went to a tarot card reading. And when I went to the tarot card reading, uh, as a little boy, at 10 years old, we went in. The lady that was doing the tarot card, the witch lady that was doing the tarot card reading, she got fascinated. Her eyes were fixed on me. And she said, this boy got, this boy, we want him. We want him. We want him. We, 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 the, 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 uh, uh, the research, which is Santeria, uh, want him. Uh, spiritualism, which is spir spiritualism, espiritismo in Spanish. Santeria, is, is, they call it worship of the saints, but it's not worship of the saints, worship of demons. We want him. And if you don't give it to us, he's going to lose his eyesight in 30 days. So my mother was so desperate as a mother. Uh, my mother saw her furniture. My mother saw her bed. She saw her, her, her bedroom set to get $250 to do my first ceremony because this lady put so much fear in us, so much fear in my mother that my mother had to sleep in the floor because there was no bedroom for her to sleep in because she didn't want me to lose my eyesight. So they initiated me to the dark side at the age of 10 years old. So the, the, the first love, the first encounter I had as a 10-year-old boy with the devil showed up and took the offering of giving my life to him and they put five bees around my neck the five worst devil the five worst demons of principalities that are under satan they put them right under my neck which is santeria they put them right under my neck and they said these are going to be your, 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 your spiritual guys and this is going to be your guardian angels and they're going to take care of your life from now on this is the building this corner building here it used to be almost abandoned this corner building here this is, it's in the book that I used to go up and down, me and my brother used to go get the water and the pump, we got the pump right there. All the apartment was all empty, the apartments, all the apartments were abandoned over here. Only me and, my, me and my family and two other families lived here. And my whole childhood was stolen. My whole childhood was worshiping the devil, going to Demon Church. I would go to Demon Church from 7 in the evening to 5 in the morning, being trained by witches and warlocks, colors, principal <clears throat> rights. Who owns this region? Who's in this region? Who's running this principality? What principality name is this? I, I had, I had uh, how to channel powers. At the age of 13 years old, I was astral projecting my body. I would leave my body home and go to regions and go into the spirit and curse dark side, curse neighborhoods, curse, put spirit of prostitution, spirit of drugs into the neighborhood, homosexual spirits here, demonic spirit here, spirit of murder, spirit of suicide. I know how to channel all those spirits into the neighborhood. At the age of 15, 16 years old, I was going into hospitals and putting death in ICU, death in one room, so this person can die because I wanted to be promoted. 
with the devil to move up that ranks to be the biggest devil worshiper in New York City. The devil became my daddy. He replaced my dad because I prayed and I said, you kill my dad. And at the age of 33 years old, my dad got shot in a nightclub in the face by a woman that wasn't even his when he had a good woman home. And the devil took him out. The devil said, I replaced the old to keep the new. And the devil became my daddy. There was a club here and my father died there at 33 years old. And we lived over there. And then remember that when I was 11 years old, 11 year old boy, there was a store right here in the corner. And the guy got shot right there in the street right there. Right next to the little corner here. The guy got killed there when I went to get the gallon of milk. And I moved up the ranks from devil worshiping. I moved up the ranks. I moved up with principalities and demons to the point that I was able to sit with the devil like I'm sitting with you today. And the devil manifests himself in human form. He or the president will come into the room and I will speak to the devil all night long. And he will give me assignments. I will go to five clubs or five lounges a night to look for people to recruit to the dark side. I would tell people their fortune. I would tell people their lives. I would tell people things that they did, things that was gonna happen to them, that then they had no clue who I was. They didn't know who I was. I just had the demonic powers. I had a taste for blood. I would, I would kill animals and drink the blood every week. I would, if I didn't have money to, if I didn't have time to buy an animal, I would cut myself and drink my own blood. The ring of, 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 of the people that I was with that was in this demonic world, doctors, lawyers, uh, principals, judges, police officers, they were all into witchcraft. There was all, even singers today that are very well known. I put them, I, I would move principalities from that region to control all demons on the ground to operate, to, church, to cut down the church, to cut down the, the, the growth of the church, to cut down the, 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 the opportunity for people to get saved. I would, I would be drunk, I'd come out of a club and I would have demon possessed, drunk, I would stand in the middle of the street and say, God, come down. You want some of this? You want me to slap you in your face? You want me to spit you in your face? You come and mess with me. I, I got married on Halloween. I had a demonic wedding on Halloween. I got married on Halloween. All the demons and principalities from different world, from different regions of, around the world came to my wedding. No human beings came to my wedding. They were afraid to come to my wedding. So I had a crazy, I sent out invitations. No one showed up, <laughs> you know? So there were, no, there were no wedding gifts, but demons came to my wedding and baptized my wedding. So my wife was a witch, I was a witch. And then my daughter was born and I was training her to be a witch too. I remember the first time that I was gonna sacrifice my first human being. The devil was sitting in the passenger side of my car when I parked. He said, you love me? I said, of course I love you, daddy. He said, there's a guy on the rooftop. He's trying to, he's trying to, he's, he's gonna try to take you and take your money or hurt you. You kill him if you love me. So when I went up there to the rooftop, uh, I lived on the 12th floor, I remember that. And when I went up to the rooftop, I remember the part, the part that he was hiding behind, uh, he was hiding behind the stairway. And this guy was like 6'5". 250 pounds. I was half demon possessed. I felt that the, the, the demon within me and I, it wasn't even me anymore. So I was gonna drag him into my apartment and stab him in the neck because I had a cardrone pop with weighed about, weighed about 100 pounds plus. And I had, I had like nine machetes in it and I had knives in it that I used to kill the roosters with. But when I went to grab this guy that I, I wanted to bring him to my apartment, he just went off my hands and just disappeared. He went down the, the story. I mean, this guy was like an Olympic athlete. He just, whoosh, he just gone, disappeared and I couldn't grab him and kill him. So I was very disappointed that I couldn't kill my first human being. Over here, 
This is a place that these people, every, everyone in the Bronx come here to buy the ingredients to do witchcraft and hurt people and kill people. This is a place. We can go inside. Come on, let's see what we can find. If I tell you I was going to kill you in 30 days, you prepare your funeral, you was going to die in 30 days. If, if you, I don't care who you were, I don't care who you knew, I don't care what you, you call yourself. If you were Catholic and you say you were Christian and you say you were a believer, I was going to kill you unless you had a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And the lady that lived downstairs, she came up and she told me, my husband is cheating. I want you to kill the woman she's cheating with. Put a witchcraft spell on her and kill her. How much you charge me? I said, well, come back. I'm going to speak to the devil, my daddy, for, uh, and, and I'll let you know. Come back in a couple of days. So the lady came back. The devil told me what to buy. He said, buy a coffin box, buy 21 black candles, uh, buy an image of the lady, put her in the box, you know, to do the witchcraft, to kill this lady. So we were going to do her for 21 days. She was going to die. After 21 days, we were going to do her funeral. So when the lady came to my house, I said, I'm going to charge you $10,000, I told her, to kill the lady. She said, sure. She said, I'll tell you what, I know you. You've been good to me. I go to your house parties. Give me $7,000. I'll give you 30% off. I said, I'll kill her. I'll give me 30%. I'll take 30% off the 10. Give me, give me 7000 So when the lady was going to leave my house, she said, by the way, she's a, she's a Christian. She said, the lady's a Christian. I said, I'll kill her for free. I said, I don't need the money. I said, I'm going to kill her for free. I'm going to teach these Christians a lesson that they're, they're going to learn. I kill her for free. I told her, I don't want your money. I kill her for free. So I did the voodoo thing. I did the, the witchcraft thing. And 21 days went by. The lady didn't die. Uh, a, a, a month went by. The lady didn't die. And, and I was like, wow, you know, what's going on? I mean, my reputation's online. So I called the devil. I called the demons. I was signed. I, I increased the, the witchcraft. I increased the witchcraft. To, I doubled the witchcraft on it so she can die like overnight. Nothing was going on. Nothing was going on. I was home at night and the devil shows up. And I feel the presence that the devil comes into my mouth. And then uh, the devil told me, we have to abort the plan that the lady that you want to kill. And I said, why would we want to abort the plan? My reputation is lying. I'm a witch. I'm a, I'm a warlock. If I don't kill the lady, they're going to think that I don't have any powers. The devil said, you don't, you don't understand. The God that she serves said, don't leave her, leave her alone. Don't touch her. And I said, who's this God? She said, the God that she serves. So I, 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 I was so angry. I was so I said, no, but let's get one more week. Let's kill her. And he said, no, the God that she served said, leave her alone. From the, the witchcraft that I did to the lady, she should have been dead in less than 21 days. How you doing, man? It's going to grab me when I see it. This is Jezebel. This is Jezebel, the religion. This is by what? See, these statues here, this here told me nothing. But it's a demon behind so, so, so in order for me to identify to this, this has to be created because I can't identify to a spirit. I can't identify to a spirit because the spirit we don't have nothing in common. I'm humanity. A spirit is immortality. A spirit is a spirit of demon. I can't relate to it. So in order for me to relate to it, he has to put this guy in the middle so I can relate to it because he's human form. He looks like a human being. There's a story behind this guy so now I can relate to him. So the demon operates to him. Understand? Same thing with these guys. And then they give themselves names and days and birthdays. They said these are never, how the American Indians get caught up with demonic forces and they get, they get caught up into the occult. This is the, these are the attractions of the Native American Indians. 
but those are statues that the people they use to camouflage the demonic ways and demonic religion. There's nothing here that is holy. There's nothing here. The only thing that's holy here is us standing here. Mm. What happens in this place? Like this what? place here in the back, they do witchcraft, they do voodoo, they do, they do, they do witch spells in the back, they do cleansing in the back. Over here, they, all these demons, they want you to buy these statues so you can take a demon home. Selective press. Mm. So they make you believe that you're praying to God. Look, see, I used to, I used to use this book for selective press. They make mm. you think that you're praying to God, but these prayers are not God. They're not godly prayers. There's nothing in the Bible that says nothing about the Bible. The crucifixion. Mm. We had a book in New York, in, in America. I was the third person to get this book that has symbols of the book of different demons, of different principalities, of different ways of killing people through witchcraft. And then this book was so. No one had had a copy of this book. You couldn't have a copy of this book unless the devil signed off on it. And I was the third person that received that book. And I would take symbols from that book and do witchcraft to people and put people in and uh, make people lose their mind. I put witchcraft on people, make people get diseases out of nowhere. I put witchcraft on people, make people get leprosy. I put witchcraft on people, make people get cancer. I mean, I did witchcraft to people. I gave people miscarriages. I gave people abortions. I gave people, I put people in hospital for, for, non, for surgeries that didn't even have to go surgeries. I did witchcraft so people can lose their minds. I, I put spirits of, of, of bipolar, trichophrenia. I put spirits of, 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 of disease on people. I put suicide spirits on people. I'd be up all night long praying and talking to the devil. When Christians can't even go to church for one, year, for one hour. When Christians can't even pray for one hour. The spirit realm is, so, is more real than the natural realm. And, and we fail to see that. And whatever is not covered with Jesus Christ is an easy target to bring down. Like the atheists, I can kill them easily. They were easy to kill. The, the, the Jehovah's Witness were easy to destroy. Uh, moment later, it was easy to destroy. Uh, the, 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 per, the people that would walk around and say, we don't believe in the devil, they were easy to destroy because they will not seek any spiritual help. I remember the time that Nikki Cruz came to, uh, Nikki Cruz group came into my neighborhood and uh, it's called Truce. They would come and do drive-bys in my neighborhood. They would do like worship and then they would preach a word and go to another corner and do the same thing. And I, I came after this group to try to put them, to try to bring them down, this group. And they were young kids. They were like 18, 17, 16, 20. I mean, so I said, how did they play this junk, this filthy music in my neighborhood with them today we call worship? This filthy music in my neighborhood. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to destroy these kids. So when I went up to, when I went up to, uh, when, I, when I went up to uh, where they were at, there was a wall of fire around them. I couldn't penetrate and touch them. And it was something pushed me back. Every time I tried to throw demonic forces again, there was something that would just push me back. And I was able to touch these kids. And I said, there was something here. It's not right. Something is not falling into place. So I walked away and I left them alone. I didn't want to deal with them. I said, okay, you know, they won, the, they won this first round. So there's obviously spirits here watching us. Yeah, oh yeah, not oh yeah, happy, watch right? watch, yeah, of course they're watching us. Yeah, and so we're all protected. We're yeah, we're all protected, like, yeah. We're yeah. under the blood, brother. Yeah. They're not like the blood of Jesus. Yeah, okay. Amen? Yeah, we're all good. protected, but they're not, they can touch us. Because mm. Joe said, what we got, we got a hedge of protection. Mm. around us right. and we can walk into this place and we can chase demons out of here we can we can we can curse this place to the ground in jesus name and there's nothing that the devil can do mm. i mean i had so much money beautiful cars beautiful woman i had it all i lived in the world that people my neighborhood was they, my neighborhood they were terrified who i was they said we met if you mess with that guy your family will die if you mess with that guy he don't need a gun he'll kill your family in his sleep my daddy was awesome. My daddy was, he, he knew, he had, he gave me powers beyond I could imagine. He gave me powers that people had fear in me. The police had fear in me. The securities in my neighborhood had fear in me. And people that knew that I was, a, I was, a, I was a, a, the devil's, they would call me the devil's son. 
I brought Christians to their knees and after prayer because they had no power. It wasn't because your God wasn't all powerful. Don't get me wrong. Because your God was all powerful, the vessel was weak. The vessel had no prayer life, the prayer had no fasting life, and it had no relationship with God. There was a form of godliness in the person, but no power. The person was weak. The person had nothing going. He had a Bible, he had the right suit on, she had the right dress on, but there was no connection with Jesus Christ because he was out of his will, he was out of his promises, and you was out of his divine purpose. And I had you, I own you, I had you as a slave. I broke you, I put witchcraft on you. I kept doing that to Christian after Christian after Christian after families, after churches. I chased everything down that represented the cross of Jesus Christ. Very demonic place. So that place has an effect on the whole neighborhood, the whole you're saying? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, that, 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 that just had this whole, this whole region on lockdown. That's the devil's throne. We just went into the devil's throne. Hmm. That that throne been there since the 80s. And then they go there spend they spend hundred, two hundred dollars buying all these things and and then they broke their 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 um, welfare, public assistance, but they got money to buy all this junk. They think their life is gonna get better, they think that their life is gonna improve, they think that they're, they're gonna make progress in life, they think that they're gonna break generational curses, curses, they think they're gonna break you know vex you know vex spells, voodoo, they think they're gonna break all that and basically God said, I come, I do it for you for free. Just give your life to me and I'll set you free. But they don't want that. That's too difficult for them. That's too complicated for them. But they can walk into a place like this and drop $200 to think that their life is going to be free. And they're going to live a life in abundance. I had contact with the principality that runs Haiti. His name is Candelo. I had contact with him. I had contact with demons in Miami. I had contact with demons in Africa. I had contact with demons here in New York City. Principalities that run the crossroads of the world here on 42nd Street. Okay, there's a different principality that run the crossroads of the world here on 42nd Street than the ones that try to run here in this neighborhood. I, was, I didn't have a conscience. I, I remember I did witchcraft to my brother and I put him in jail for five years. The witchcraft, that is my own brother, my own flesh and blood. I did witchcraft to him, I put him in jail for five years. I did, my other brother, there was a warlock. He came into my house one time with an attitude and, and, and the demon jumped on him. And he ran out the house. He couldn't hold the pain in his stomach. My mother can bear witness to that. I did so much ceremonies in my body. I did, a, I did, I did so much ceremonies in my body. The last ceremony I did was not only sell my soul to the devil. I did a ceremony that I had to swallow uh, animal blood and gunpowder. It was called Sansi. Sansi is a ceremony of, of, of Haitian and French that you do the ceremony with a demon. That so when I go to people's houses and eat, they can't put witchcraft on the food. I did that kind. Of, I had I did all the ceremonies you can do. I knew I I will, I will go to demon church. And every year, we will have a meeting, a secret meeting. All the high witches and warlock will have this meeting to find out what, usher, what principality we were going to usher out and bring in to run the region. We were, we were more organized than the church itself. The kingdom of darkness was more organized than the church of Jesus Christ. We knew how to do ceremonies. We knew how to do things before the year was over to prepare ourselves for the next year. When Christians couldn't go to church and pray for one hour. When Christians could go to church and, and have a consistent relationship with God. I even took a sabbatical from witchcraft and the devil punishment took my eyesight for one year. I was completely blind for one year, registered with the commission of the blind. I was completely blind. They was training me to use an eye-seeing dog and they was training me to use one of these sticks that you use that you walk the streets with. I was, my mother took care of me for one year. My eyes went black and a mist of gray went over my eyes. 
I was completely blind. And when I gave my life back to the devil, after seven surgeries, the devil gave me back my eyesight. And I could see again. And, I, and that was my punishment for taking, for taking a, one year off. I wanted to take off. The devil, devil said, you want one year off? I'll give it to you. He took my eyesight. And that's the world I lived in. If, if you mess with the devil, he'll kill you, he'll kill your family. It was a fear that will grip you beyond measure, that you could not leave this religion. You could not leave Santeria, you could not leave Paloma Nyumbe, and you could not leave spiritualism. The doctors could not explain how I lost my eyesight. Meanwhile, Christians, and I was like, why Christians do bad? And Christians sometimes miss the mark, and the only thing that shows up in their house is grace and mercy. When you show up with the devil and you do something the devil don't like, he kills someone, he kills your family member. And when the, I remember the devil warned this lady, she said, you can't be with that person no more. And she didn't want to, she didn't care because she was in love with the person. The devil demon possessed a homeless guy in the street. He took a hammer, hit her 17 times over her head, killed her. One day I was sitting home and it was amazing. I came from a nightclub the night before. I was sitting home watching a show called Jerry Springer. I did a crazy show. People beat each other up. I, I, I get joy out of that. I was getting joy out of that, laughing. For the first time, I heard a voice say to me, Son, I am coming soon. What are you going to do with your life? An audible voice shot from, a, from across the room. And that door was the TV that was talking to me. And I said, No, this is, it can't be the TV because these people are beating each other up. This voice, I knew the voice of the devil. I would sit with the devil like I'm sitting with you today. And he would come into human form. He will come in the, the room. He'll, he'll come in sometime. The presence of him will come into the room. The atmosphere changes. And I know he would sit with me and he would talk into my conscience and we would talk back and talk all night long. I knew that too. I knew it like you know the back of your hand. I knew every demon, every principality that ran the region, ran everything in America, everything in Canada, everything that ran. I knew every principality that ran every occult, Wicca, New Age, Buddhism, Islam, uh, Santeria, spiritualism. I knew every principality that ran. I had a contract with every principality with them. I had straight A marks for every principality, every demon on the ground. The devil, Jezebel. I had every, I had, I had new demons that I can't even tell you the name because you want to know who they are. I knew them all by name. And this voice was very different than any other voice. When I heard that voice come out of nowhere, it came out of the air, the voice. And I, and I, I wanted to shock and then I saw, I, and then I saw a vision from, from the other side of the apartment that this, the sky was on fire and people underneath. I saw people running for cover, but there was no cover where to hide. And I said, why would I see that vision? So I shook it off. But I remember I went to sleep, and I get, like a deep sleep. I just, I just wanted to put anesthesia and I went to sleep. I ended up in a train full of people. I couldn't believe that I was in a train full of people. And this train was going faster than you can ever imagine. I'd never been on something this fast on earth. And it went into hell. And Jesus Christ took me to hell. And when I got to hell, the doors opened. I mean, there was a slam in the doors. There was an unspeakable echo. The, 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 the doors opened. And there was heat that came out of nowhere. That I felt like you were going to suffocate the heat that came out. And I ran in, I got out the train. And the people in the train, they, they had no faces. But you could see the fear on the people on the train. You could feel the fear, the impact of the fear that they were going to a place that they were never going to return. And the place was packed. And then I, I, I tried, I said, I can't die here. I said, I can't die. This is not for me. I wasn't born to be in this place. And I was saying this to myself. I was not born to be here. So I tried to find like a tunnel, like a tunnel in hell. And I was walking to the tunnel. I was trying to run to the tunnels in hell, try to find a door, maybe a window. M maybe uh, maybe a, there was a gap somewhere that I can come out and come back to reality. But there was no gap. And I remember I, as I, as, as, the more I went to, into, into the tunnels, 
the more the fear gripped me, the more, the more, the more the suffering, and her suffering, darkness drapes over you. This fear drapes over you. Like you're wearing a garment. This fear drapes over you. It's something you can't even control, you have no control over. It's something like it, it, it grabs you. That it don't it don't even let you go. I couldn't see the hand in front of my face. But I hear the wailing. I hear wailing. Like you ever hear like a kid wail and an animal wail at the same time? Like you, it's, it's like that kind of wailing. It's undescribable. And and, 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 and and it was a heat and a smell that was like 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 if you was like in the sewers of the gutters of New York City. But I mean but 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 crazy in that. And and, and then and then I I, I I came to a part of, of, of the tunnel, the devil showed up. He said, I I, I was your daddy. He spoke to me in the amount of time. I was your daddy. I gave you everything you needed. I took care of you. I blessed you. I protected you. I did. I killed people for you. I did everything. I gave you powers. I gave you a name in the dark, in the kingdom of darkness. I gave you a name. When people came against you, I destroyed them because I knew that you were going to be the vessel that I was going to use to move my kingdom on the earth. And now you want to leave me? Now you want to betray me in demonic tongues? And I'm talking to him back in demonic tongues and telling him, No, I'm not leaving. I'm just confused. I don't know what's going on. And he said, no, I know what you're going to do. You're going to leave me and you're going to expose my religion. You're going to expose who I am and how I operate in the rip and the spirit realm. You, because I taught you things that I never taught no one else. I show you things. I trusted you with the things that I needed you to know so you can further my kingdom. Because I wanted to use you in a greater manner way. And, 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 and the confused, he went to grab me. As he went to grab me to destroy me, the cross of Jesus Christ, P and hell. I didn't understand how a three-foot cross of pee in hell when I was wearing a blue shorts and a t-shirt. And I put it on him. And when I put it on him, the devil melt like he was a, like he was an infant. Like an infant. He melt and fell on the floor. Like no powers. So I, I, I took that opportunity and I ran back and I ran deeper into the gates. I ran deeper into the tunnels of hell. Hoping that there was a door. I had my hope was being it was a hope and a hope at all. There was no place to say, I'm coming out of here. This is it. This 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 is the end. I I I I had a, I had a fear that gripped me, that I was indescribable. I never felt a fear like that. I never felt I never felt a, a, a despair. It was the opposite of what heaven is. Uh, it, it was opposite of joy. It was opposite of gladness. It was opposite of peace. It was opposite of light from darkness. It was a place of torment. A place of I, 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 if I'm here, my family don't know I'm here. My daughter don't know I'm here. How would they find me? How would they look for me? So as I as I went deep into the tunnel of hell, hoping that there was a door, a window, a crack somewhere that I can get out. The devil showed up again, so now we'll destroy you. So what I did was I told him in the demonic language, I got these marks, these are my contract to protect me, to destroy you. He said, fool, I gave you those marks. Those are my marks that I own you. I own you. No one owns you, I do. And you're gonna live for me or you die. And when he went to Grammy the second time around, I said, it's finished. I said, this is it. He went to Grammy the second time around. The cross of Jesus Christ. Here. In hell. There's no greater love than the cross that will come for sinner like me in hell. So when David say, if I make my bed in hell, he knows I'm there. Grace and mercy showed up in hell. Grace and mercy knew my address. Grace and mercy have a plan for my life. To my despicable, demonic, selfish ways, arrogant, self-centered ways in hell, when I was done for the count, Jesus Christ loved the misfit.
and he said, I have a plan for you. I love you beyond you can ever imagine. And he showed up in hell. And when I woke up, then my spirit came back into my body. I woke up and I bent my knee to Jesus Christ. I had a $100,000 witchcraft stuff in my house. I threw witchcraft away. I threw religion away. I threw everything that had to do with darkness away. The, the people from Haiti, the people from Cuba, the people from Miami and New York said we have to kill him because he knows too much. We have to destroy him. We have to kill him because he knows too much. He's not one of us anymore. And they came for the kill. They came, they did their best. They came for the kill. I was sleeping in the day. So it was that night when the demons show up and tormented me for 30 days. They tormented me for 30 days. They would grab me by my throat, pick me off my bed. The room would go cold. I would lay in my bed. I'd find another person laying next to me, ice cold, another person. I would look like this and I can feel the presence of that. It was the devil himself right in my bed for 30 days, on and off, on and off, tormenting, torture, trying to steal my mind, trying to rip my soul out of my body, trying to rip my spirit out of my body. I would, I would tremble at night, like never tremble before, 30 days, and I would cry out. I didn't know how to pray. I said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They didn't know how to pray. I said, maybe I pray like my sister prays. I heard her in church, she prayed this way. I heard that person pray this way. I would bring all these prayers together to try to put them together like a puzzle to try to fight for my life. And one day I was, I was, I was in church worshiping and, and, I, and I would ask the Lord, Lord, why are you letting these people, why you let this happen to me? And one day I heard the voice of God again. He said, I wanted to see how much you love me. And he said, I wanted to see how much you trust me. And ever again, I was tormented by the devil. And I became an evangelist for Jesus Christ. 14 years serving the Lord, and I will never trade it for nothing in the world. And I know that somewhere in Hallelujah Boulevard, there is a mansion for John Ramirez. And one day it says, welcome home, well done, faithful servant. And I tell you, there's nothing. And I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm talking about relationship with Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my beginning and end. No weapon formed against me wherever possible. I die. When Jesus said I go home. Not because of a witch, not because of a person, not because of heck, voodoo, vex, incantation, none of that can separate me from the love of God. Hundred thousand dollars of witchcraft, selling my soul, marks here, marks here, marks here. But the biggest mark is here, is the love that I have for the cross. And nothing like the cross of Jesus Christ. And I tell you this, and I end with this. I was cursed, I became blessed because the one that was blessed became cursed for me. And I switched daddies. And my daddy sits in the universe. And he loved me beyond I could imagine. And that love now I can give to my daughter. And my daughter today, she's a born again Christian, graduated from college, psychology major. And I know that God's gonna use her in a greater way. Because the baton that I have, I will pass to her, the right baton this time. And I know she'll do a greater exploit than her daddy. And before I leave the earth, people will know that John Romero was here because he served Almighty God. Amen. Pretty raw, right?
It's like most Christians, when you read it, no, that, I mean, wow, really? Um, so it can be disturbing when you see it and you hear it, some of the things. So I want to have a stand right now, and I want us to pray. Cut us free from any of the slime associated with that. Really to understand sometimes the tactics of the devil, um, we just need to hear what he's done. So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I take the sword of the Spirit, and I cut all of your people free that are here and those watching by live stream, that no weapon of fear or angst or the devil has power, but he does not have power. You heard it over and over again. He does not have power over the Christians who are blood washed and walking with him. They are ineffectively, they cannot touch. He was unable to do all of his high power witchcraft against the woman. Even though he had contracted, he tried it all, and the devil said, no, you can't touch her. I've had that experience myself where they said, they're too close to Jesus, we cannot touch them. So, Lord, I thank you right now. The sobering reality of the truth of the war that's on, we read it in Revelation 12. It's not some nice little language. The devil has declared war against all those who have their testimony of Jesus and keep the commands. So, God, we thank you that we will see the doors that can be opened, that we will keep them shut. We will walk in purity because purity is a righteous place. We know what Psalm 91 says, those who dwell in the safe place of the sheltered of the Most High find rest there. And they may, you can see devils and stuff going on all around us, darkness, sickness, attacks, but none of these evils shall befall you. So, Lord, we thank you. That word is true. It's full of living power. So, Lord, right now, just cut all of this, any angst or fear away in Jesus' name. We declare that you have no power and authority over your children or our families, extended families now. We plead the blood of Jesus as your hedge of protection. We've overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we thank you now, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come and bring peace. Bring peace and revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Next, next, yeah, we curse that virus in Jesus' name. Now, next week, come with some question. We're going we're gonna to talk this one through. So, all right, amen.